The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. glad that you're here. Um, we're talking about God's good news. God's good news. We've been going through the book of Romans. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 1, and last week, uh, the good news that we see right in the introduction to this letter was that we are loved unconditionally and that we're called to belong. I can't think of any better news than that, that you and I are loved unconditionally and we're called to belong. Along that theme of good news, what's the best news you've ever heard? What's the best news you've ever shared? Maybe it's not guilty. Or maybe it's we're pregnant. I guess it depends on your perspective, right? <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the best news you've ever shared is something totally depending on your perspective. It's benign, right? Or I won the lottery. No one ever shares that news, right? Especially not with a preacher. Did I mention we have a build program? What's the best news you've ever shared? See, there's good news and there's bad news. And it's interesting how bad news and good news get shared. If it's bad news, we always see that all across newspapers, all across our television screens, right? We see that splashed all over the place. In fact, I spent a little time in journalism, and, and, and what they used to say about bad news was this, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So if something blew up, someone died, if there's blood on the asphalt, if there's terrorism, if there's a hurricane, if there's strife, if there's a war or a rumor of war, that's what's going on the front page. If it bleeds, it leads. And then buried at the end of the news program is some good news. Here's a feel-good story, right? We're picking cherries or whatever, right? Some psychologists recently did a study and they found out something really interesting about good news and bad news. They said, although bad news dominates the headlines, although bad news dominates our newscasts and the nightly news, good news tends to be shared more often by word of mouth. 
So in other words, the people that are selling us newspapers or magazines or television programs, they lead with the bad news because bad news tends to grab our eyes. You know, you can't look away. It's like, oh, it's like looking at a car crash. You don't want a rubberneck, but everybody does. But good news tends to be the news that we share. So what's the best news you've ever shared? Paul's sharing this great news, this gospel good news. And it's simply this, that there's a God that loves us unconditionally and every single one of us is called to belong. In fact, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if that's all you hear today, then you've heard some really good news, that there's a God and he loves you unconditionally and he calls you, he's calling you to belong to him. And if you're a Christian, you're simply someone that's responded to that call and has received that good news and says, you know what? I'm going to follow this God. I want to worship this God. I'm going to receive what Christ did for me on the cross. As we dive into Romans, this first part, these first three sermons are all about the good news as we look at Paul's introduction. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter one. We're going to look at verses eight to 15 today. And the theme for today is that good news travels. Good news travels. It's the news that we tend to share. Starting in verse 8, Paul says this, Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. This is a pastor, this is a preacher, this is an apostle Paul, and he's speaking to the church in Rome. He's sending this letter to the church in Rome. What immediately grabbed me as I was preparing this message weeks ago was that phrase, your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. All over the world. Now, good news travels. And in this day and age, news travels faster than any other time. In human history. Over 2,000 years ago, though, in this day and or in that day and age, there's no electricity. There's no television. There's cell phones. They're not Googling. There's no nightly news. There's no sports center. Okay? They don't have satellites running around in the sky. They don't even have the little telegraph. You know? They don't have any of that stuff. They ain't got a walkie-talkie either. But this good news is traveling all over the world. How does that happen? 
How does that happen? Good news travels. Right in that verse is the key to how good news travels. It travels the same way then as it travels today, all throughout time. It says it's being talked about all over the world. It's being talked about. Good news travels because it's talked about. He says your faith is being talked about all over the world. What kind of faith must they have had in that Roman church? Paul hadn't been there. I don't know who first took the gospel there, but that's how it spread. Somebody sent me this last night. They sent a map of how Christianity spread after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was one of these maps of kind of the, you know, the, the fertile crescent in the Middle East in the known world at that time. And it showed how the Roman Empire came and went, how Byzantine Empire came and went, how the Muslims conquered and that came and went. And at the same time as all those empires are coming and going, it shows the spread of Christianity. Christianity. Doesn't happen as fast, doesn't happen as explosive, doesn't happen by the tip of a sword, but it's like relentless nonetheless. And it's just spreading all over the world. Aren't you glad the good news has spread all over the world? And even in this day and age, it is already, he's saying it's being talked about all over the world. How does it get spread? By normal people talking about it, talking about it in the marketplace talking about it at the hospitals, talking about it at their jobs, talking about it during break time, talking about it at the well, talking about it when they go hunting. There's surely not that many disciples, but they're converts to Christianity that have been changed by this good news to the point where they're talking about it everywhere. So, guess what? This morning, you're welcome, or I would like to welcome you to the Tabernacles marketing meeting. We're going to talk. I'm asking you to talk about it. Good news gets talked about. You know, I did a lot of uh, uh, study just reading up on some different marketing facts and statistics and what the gurus say. And, 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 and I saw this real interesting thing about advertising. Advertising, we're, we're, we're bombarded by advertising, right? When you see a sponsor logo, when you see a billboard, when you see a, 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 a television ad, or you hear a radio announcement for something, and people and companies, they pay for those ads to be out there. Well, in the purest sense of the word, or, or the sense of the, or the idea of advertising, this guru wrote about advertising. Advertising is the cost of being boring. It's the cost of being boring. Now, if you're a company owner and you have an ad and you, I'm not saying you're not boring, but I'm saying that, that in the purest sense, that's what advertising is. It's not being talked about it enough, so I got to pay people to talk about it on television. I got to pay for a supermodel to hold it up. I got to pay for a celebrity to go, I use this on my face every day and it took my rash away or whatever it is, Right? Think about the types of ads that, that, that dominate. Not every ad. There's, you know, there's the funny ones. Well, they want you to talk about their ads, so they make something funny. But how many ads do we really need for insurance? No offense if you sell insurance, but I, I want to tell you something. Insurance is pretty boring. You don't need insurance until something bad ha happens. Oh, and then you really need it. I know. I get it. But in the middle of the football game, that's not what I'm thinking about. You know what? I need some Jake from State Farm in my life right now. No, man, it's third and long, and somebody took a time out. I'm not thinking about Jake and, from State Farm and his khakis. I'm not worried about that. 
But advertising is the cost of being boring. Here's the deal. When it comes to this message that there's a God that loves us unconditionally and we're called to belong to Him, that He wants to have a relationship with us, that shouldn't be boring. And I don't believe it is. I believe it's the most important message any of us could ever share, either directly or indirectly. It's called word of mouth marketing. And it's the most effective marketing tool. It's, it's that corner of the advertising market that companies crave. If we can get people talking about it, and especially if we can get young people talking about it, your product's going to blow up. It's said that 91% of college students, that's the only form of marketing that they trust. The only form of marketing that college students up to about age 24, 25, 26, they'll only trust word of mouth marketing. There's an ad on television, they don't believe it. If there's something in radio, they're not going to believe it. In fact, there's a whole generation that they don't trust authority figures anymore. They don't trust their teachers. They don't trust their government officials. They certainly don't trust celebrities because you know, you're going to find out everything about their lives or watch a reality show and find out it's not reality. They're not going to trust their parents, but they'll trust their peers if their peers recommend it. If their peers are talking about it, they'll download that band's music. If their peers are talking about it, they'll buy that product. I dare say, if their peers are talking about it, they'll come to that church or that small group or the firehouse or wherever. If you read through the Gospels, you see after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, what were the disciples told over and over and over to do? They were told by the religious leaders, by the opponents of the church, by the opponents of Jesus, they were told, quit talking about it. Peter, John, arrested, taken before the high priest, stop talking about Jesus. Stop preaching this gospel. Stop planting churches with your mouths. Second time, dragged, beaten, whipped, cat of nine tails, right? And then told again, quit talking about it. Tabernacle, I want to tell you something right now. This gospel spread too far. This church, we're big enough. We've, all, we've, we've reached enough people. We don't have any more room. Would you please quit talking about Jesus? Just stop it. I'm using reverse psychology here because anything you tell Northern Michigan to people to do, they won't do. So, ready for that? Quit talking about Jesus. Don't talk about the change in your life, and don't talk about how much he's done for you, and don't talk about how it's the best news. Quit it. Stop it right now. Maybe if I persecute you a little bit, who knows what could happen. I'm in a good mood. I don't know about you. All right. Good news travels because it's talked about. Good news also travels because it's attractive. Good news travels because it's attractive. If I don't have good news to share, what do I do? Come into the restaurant, come into the situation. Hey, what about this weather? It's pretty warm here in September. Boring, right? And if I'm bored about that, then it's like, hey, how about them fill in your favorite sports team, right? And if it's a really good game, then I'm going to get animated and lead with that story. Whoa, did you see that? You know, but since all the Big Ten teams, all they play is little patsy teams now, there's nothing to talk about today, really, right? They didn't play anybody, neither did Notre Dame. So we got nothing to talk about except weather, sports, kind of. So then what do we move to? We start talking about our ailments. Well, I've got a ruptured spleen, right? 
Oh, I got this cyst on the back. You want to look? You know, whatever. So we talk about the weather, or we talk about sports, or we talk about our ailments, or Donald Trump. Can we just stop? And his bad hair, really? We've got the best news ever that there's a God who loves us unconditionally and calls us to belong to him. And that call is for anyone and everyone that will receive it. That's attractive news. The only way this good news could spread all throughout the world is if it had power to change people's lives. So when he says your faith is being talked about all over the world, he goes on to say, and I've been praying, I want to see this firsthand. I want to visit you. I have longed to visit you. I've been asking God to come visit you. And Paul's a Christian. Paul knows about this powerful life change. And he's attracted to it. He's wanted to go visit these people in Rome. Here's a question. Are people attracted the same way to us or to you? Good news is attractive. It has that come and see power to it. Sociologists tell us that the most shy person in this room, the most introverted person here, the person that really doesn't engage really well, is kind of socially awkward, doesn't have a lot to say, the most introverted person will still influence over 10,000 people in his or her lifetime. So, if each one of us as a baseline is going to influence 10,000 people, here's a question. Is the good news attractive in your life? Paul says elsewhere, I think it's in one of the Corinthian letters, he says, we are Christ's ambassadors. That means if you're a Christian, you respond to this good news, you're an ambassador for Christ. Well, I'm just kind of getting back into the church. It doesn't matter. You're an ambassador for Christ. Well, I've been a Christian a long time. You're an ambassador for Christ. I just became a Christian five minutes ago. You're an ambassador for Christ. Like it or not, you're a walking billboard. You're a walking advertisement. You're a word of mouth marketer. Your life is reflecting Christ. So the question is, are you living an attractive life for the good news? What kind of life are you living? You're going to be one, an advertisement, one way or another. Are you living an attractive life? Or are you living your life in such a way that people far from God are like, if that's what Jesus is, I want no part of it. Well, I just lost my head. It's when my kid's playing in the game, that's when I act like I'm, that's when I'm a total pagan. Come see me on Sunday, then I'm holy. There's a reason we will, as long as I'm around, never have a church softball team. I've been in those leagues, and I've seen pastors lose their religion, and we ain't doing it. Because we're going to make this good news as attractive as we... I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying be fake. But you know what? If you're going to be a Christian, your life is always on display. You don't get to have your work life and your church life. You don't get to have your hidden home life and your church life. You don't get to have your non-Christian friends and your Christian friends. You're either in it or you're not. Good news travels. Is good news traveling through you? Is that kind of good news? Is that attractive? 
You know, a couple uh, uh, weeks ago, a story attracted my attention um, uh, through one of the little news things that I'm getting on my device, and it just grabbed my attention because it was a story of this girl, and she's a waitress. I think she's a single mom, if I got all the facts straight, and she's out in Utah, and there was, a, there was this uh, uh, a bill for the night at the sports bar that she was working at during the Michigan-Utah game, and it was, it was a couple hundred dollar, ti- or, or a couple hundred dollar uh, uh, bill, and then the tip was like five or six thousand dollars. This single mom got like a five or six thousand dollar tip, and scrawled across the receipt, it said "Tips for Jesus." God bless. And so I start doing some, and she's like in tears, super excited. And then all of a sudden, she found out there's like an Instagram page for tips for Jesus, and. Somebody or somebodies all over the United States have been leaving outrageously large tips and then scrawling tips for Jesus across the receipt. And I'm not talking, ooh man, tips for Jesus, I tip 20% instead of 15. I'm talking $1,000 tips, $8,000 tips, and then writing tips for Jesus, God bless. Isn't that attractive? Isn't that much better than hearing how waiters and waitresses hate to work on Sunday because the after church crowd is the worst? I didn't order this. I'm not going to tip her very well. The service was poor. I'm going to tell you something right now. If my service is poor at a restaurant, they get a double tip because they're having a bad day. You're reinforcing bad behavior. No, I'm not. I'm being like Jesus. How much of my bad behavior has he left unpunished? I'm still breathing. How much of your bad behavior has God chose to forgive and to give us blessing instead? You know that whole tip for Jesus thing? You know, I I kept looking it up and I don't know who's behind it. Uh, Michigan fans, you'll like to know that they think it started in Ann Arbor. So they think that, I didn't know Wolverines could be Christians. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, I mean, that's really cool. Sorry, Sparty, but apparently they're generous in Ann Arbor, right? And, and, then, and then some of the things are like, you know, the people behind Tips for Jesus, they're not even Christian. In fact, one art, article trying to tear it down was like, he's really an agnostic guy. He's being ironic. It's tongue-in-cheek. $8,000 tip that says, God bless Tips for Jesus with the cartoon Jesus going like this, I don't care. That's good press for our team, and let me tell you, we need it. We need it. Good news is attractive. And if your life has been blessed by Jesus and his good news, you're going to make it as attractive as you possibly can. Good news is talked about, it's attractive. And lastly, what I see in here is good news is compelling. It's compelling. Paul says, I have a great sense of obligation to preach this good news to everyone. Paul has a sense of obligation that people far from God need to hear this. You know why? Because he's still in love with that good news. He's still in love with the power of what it's done in his life. He's still in love with the transformation that can happen in marriages and in families. And he will not be silenced. Not shipwrecks, not beatings, not running for his life, not being thrown in jail. He feels obligated. Christ did this for me. I'm obligated to help them. And I love what he says about, about who he's obligated to. To people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world. He holds back. He doesn't say the uncivilized, right? 
Some translations, I love what it says. It says, I've had this great sense of obligation to both the Greek world and to the barbarian world. My tabernacle friends, let me spell this out for you. We ain't the Greeks. (laughs) Up here in the land of misfit toys, this ripple of good news It spread through all of those rising and falling of empires, and it's made it all the way out here to the barbarian wilderness of northern Michigan. That's who we are. Aren't you glad that this good news is for everyone? Aren't you glad that you don't have to be educated? It doesn't matter if you're educated, uneducated, civilized, uncivilized, born in a Christian home, unchristian home, born into a nuclear family, stay together, your parents are divorced five times, doesn't matter, rich, poor, Tall, short, skinny, fat, doesn't matter. Good news for everyone. And Paul says, I feel that obligation to everyone to talk about this good news, to make it attractive. That's how good news travels if we are compelled. So here's my question for us today. This this is what I think God has for me, and I'm sharing it with you. I think it's what he has for us. Does good news travel through you? Does good news travel through you? What kind of news travels? Important news? Weather news? Are you the sports guy? Are you the, hey, guess where they have great coupons this week? Are you coupon girl? What kind of news do we share? What kind of good news grabs our attention? You know, this good news has so much power. You know, I mean, there's times when I stop and I think about the people that God has led to our church. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But I've lost track of how many times it's been a Sunday morning and I've met a new person. And then they, you know, go on into the service or go get a cup of coffee. And then somebody who's been here forever whispers in my ear, I never thought I'd see the day when that person came here. You know why? This good news is real, and this good news has power, and this good news has people talking, and this good news is attractive, and this good news is compelling, and there's people that are far from God that still need to hear this good news, and I'm going to tell you, at this little marketing meeting, we're it. We're it. I'm it. You're it. Together, we're it. How will they hear unless someone tells them? How will they know unless someone tells them? I got three challenges for us today. As we think about that, does this good news really travel through me? Here's the first thing that I'm going to challenge you to do. I want you to think about how could you do it this week? How could you do it today, Start starting today? This is a simple one. I want you to talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about the good news. Talk about what it's done for you. Students are some of the best marketers there are. And when students start talking about it, other students listen. Students aren't going to listen to me about how it is. But when students talk about it, it spreads like wildfire. Guess what? Adults are just older, more wrinklier students. When we talk about it, that's how they know. Well, what would I say? I don't know. Open your mouth and say it. 
In fact, I think if I tell you what to say, or when we read a book on how to say it, or, or I mean, it's kind of like buying that book that says how to make friends and talk to girls at parties. Bro, if you need that, you've got a whole nother level of trouble, right? Just talk about it. Just open your mouth and say the words. Kind of like that silly little video that we watched before. We have it all conjured up in our minds that this is going to be the worst thing ever. Because we have a reputation for, you know, smacking men around just a little bit, because I believe that this church is not going to grow unless it's on the backs of men. I'm just going to smack you around, men, just for a minute. We got some manly men's in this church, and I respect you, right? You can pound a nail, you can build your own pole barn, you can build your own house, right? You can cut the lumber yourself and, and square it off and frame it up and make it warm and, and, and cut your own firewood and kill everything that moves up here, right? You can slaughter the deer, the bear, the raccoon, snake, you can even make turtle soup. You can wrestle a coyote and gut it with your teeth, but talk to someone about Jesus and you're like, what do I do? Seriously. I don't care if you could shoot the three, sack the quarterback, whatever. You don't test your manhood. You want to really show me that you're a man, a courageous man, is you'll look another man in the eye and say, hey, bro, why don't you come to this uh, group with me? We're going to study the Bible. We're going to talk about what God wants. Why don't you come to this church with me? That's a test. That's a real test. It takes a man to do that. So that's a challenge. Talk about it. Talk about it. If the disciples were told to stop talking about it, then that must be the key. They refused. In the church of Rome, their faith was heard about all over the world. It spread like wildfire. Here's the second thing I want you to do this week. It's a challenge. I want you to act on it. I want you to act on it. Act out your faith in some way. I'm not telling you to leave an $8,000 tip. I wish I could. That'd be cool. But if I could, you'd question how much preachers get paid around here. But act on it. Act on it in a way that God's telling you. I, I gave you one example. I don't want to give a ton of examples because I believe God will show you how you can point to Jesus and point to the cross by living your life in such a way that the good news is attractive. Make it attractive to somebody. Think it up. Make it up. Anything besides just the same old, same old that we talk about. Talk about it and act on it. Here's a, here's a great opportunity that someone actually brought to my attention. We have this Saturday night service now, right? It's a perfect opportunity because where it's positioned in the week and the time of day that it is, that you could invite someone to come to church on a Saturday night, someone that you've been trying to get to church for a long time, and then you could in, invite them to go to dinner afterwards. And here's a novel idea. You could pay for dinner and leave a tip for Jesus. Oh, sorry, that would cost too much money. You're on a budget. But what if we acted on it that way? What a great idea to talk about it and act on it. Here's the third thing. Here's an easy one. And here's a one that we can do that the church in the first century couldn't do. We can click on it. We have an opportunity to click on it. You know, I know that we've spent a lot of time standing up here, leaders in our church, and, you know, it's easy to joke about Facebook or Twitter, those types, and, and we've done a 180. We've decided, you know what, we're going to use this for the glory of God. 
I said I, I didn't believe a grown man should tweet. I've probably sent about 500 tweets now, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this, if this is how we're going to communicate, then I'm buying in. Because I'm a communicator, and I'm going to let good news travel through me. That's why I'm on these things, and I know you are too. And we can use our little click to either point to Jesus, to invite, to ask. And I'm not talking about just, here's a long blog from my favorite theologian. Spare us. How do we interact with social media? In little blurbs and through recommendations. You know how many moms share their own PSA, that's public service announcement? And they'll believe that more than they will the government, more than television, more than Dr. Phil, more than any other expert. If you had that experience, I'm going to listen to it. What if the PSA was about something that actually mattered, like the good news that there's a God who loves me unconditionally and that he's called me to belong? Whoa. What if we were to click on it and use it to invite people? We have, we have these little invite cards that are going to be available in a few weeks for those of us that are old school, Right? But that card, that what you see on your screen right now, that's online on our Facebook page right now, which some of you, you've been coming to our church five years, you're on Facebook, you haven't even liked our page. I don't want to be associated with the church online. Don't want to get all that spam, right? I got news for you. It's a small town. If anyone drives by, we know each other by our vehicles. They know you're here. Look at that guy. He's in church. How do you know? Saw his truck. I almost bought it, right? They know you're here, but when you click on it and you like it on Facebook or when this goes online, if some of us just this afternoon or before the service is even over, you got out your phone and you shared that, guess what? That invite card goes on and on and on and on. A couple weeks ago when we launched the Saturday night service, our marketing guys put together a little video and it was just, it was a video we made in-house, didn't pay anyone to do it, made the little video to talk about church on Saturday night. And then they put it online, right? It's like something like two, 3,000 people saw that. That's word of mouth marketing. That's people clicking. Here, I'm going to share this with people. What if you did that? What if we did all these things? Talked about it. Acted on it. Clicked on it. I think the church, God's church, not just this church, I think that's the way it's always, except for the click part. That's the way it's always spread. And that's why it's outlasted every empire. That's why it will outlast the United States of America. You can't kill the church. Because it's the power of God's good news in our lives. The power of his love for us. And us responding to him, talking, acting, and in this day and age, a little clicking. That's my challenge for all of us this week. So here's the question. Does good news travel through you? Does good news travel through you? Are they seeing more than just the bad? Are they seeing more than just the mundane? Or are they seeing what really matters? What are you going to do about it? If you're here today and you're not a Christian or if you're not sure, we invite you to give this good news a shot. We invite you to come back. We're going to keep talking about this good news.
Next week is one of the fullest explanation of what that good news is in chapter one. And we hope that you'll come back. If you want to respond today, we've got pastors that would love to talk with you about that. But the vast majority of people that are here listening online or watching online are Christians. And that's the question. Is this good news? Does this good news travel through you? If it doesn't, what do you need to change? And if it does, I know this message, or I hope this message has been encouragement. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray that you would help us to be men and women, boys and girls, students, that are so committed to your good news that we would never fall into the trap of just coming here on a Sunday just because it's what we do, because it's a routine, because it's a tradition, because it's a habit. God, I pray that we would be people that have this great sense of obligation, that we are compelled to share this good news. God, that our lives would reflect it, that we would act on this good news, that we would make it as attractive as we possibly can, not to be manipulative, but to be consistent with what we believe. And God, may we never, ever, ever stop talking about it. May we never stop inviting people. May we never stop in sharing with people. God, I pray that you would bless our mouths. You would consecrate our voices and that you would reach people that you have called to yourself, that you love unconditionally through your servants, your ambassadors. And it's for your glory and our joy that I ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Those are the challenges. Hope you take one of them. Hope that you'll come back next week. I love you. Hope that you're encouraged. God bless you.